do this. Oh, look, see? Right out of the gate. Get a car, work on it, talk to a girl. Mind your fucking business. Get back to how America should be. Well, this is the greatest intro. Welcome back to the Gentlemen Dojo. Wow, a lot of feedback on that one. This is awesome. My we got God. very excited. Today, awesome. very special guest. Not calling. No. A lot of people can call. In the studio. He's very lazy. He's I a had to fucking ask Burn to let me on the show. That's not true. He, he didn't ask. I have evidence. He's done a hundred yeah. of these. I've asked you. You have, many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact, the last time I was at the improv, Gary said, when are you coming on yeah. the dojo? And I said, well, Steve won't invite won't me. Won't have me. So, so now I'm finally here because I called Steve and said, Hold on, I have bought gifts for your children. Can I get a fucking podcast? I'm of the old guard. There aren't many of us left. Can I please get a podcast? I said to Steve, Billy is at the improv, and Steve said, what is the improv? Shut up. Let me give him a proper introduction. No one remembers anything done. is one of the great comics working today. A road dog. He's out there. He's proven it. Our specials, Mike and Molly, he's from Pittsburgh, and you might know him best from episode six of the Gentleman's Dojo, Billy Gardell, everybody. And the only reason he had me on then is because I was on the air. See? As soon as I'm (laughs) off the air, nothing. Can't even get a text back. <laughs> Steve gives you two texts and then disappears in the vortex. You know people that do that? In fairness, I Steve does have Boost Mobile. He may not have been well, okay. a lot of text messages. They're not sponsoring you, are you? Well, you saw. Because I mean, we love Boost Mobile if they are. <laughs> no. God We're no. all just whoring ourselves for Tide. It doesn't matter. Uh, so he was, uh, Billy was on episode six. I was. So he was on episode six. I was. What, when did that premiere on our network? It, what, ha- it what, was early, right? What was the I'll date? I'll tell you right there. Hold all right. On a second. It was on... Oh, by the way, two years ago. Yeah, see? To the day. See? Close. Two years ago. Not to the day. Right. Yeah. Well, okay, well, see? listen. It's good to be back. It, we're, we love having <laughs> you back. It I like to fantastic. come back semi-annually. Now, let me ask That's you something. I'm a semi-annual vest. Let me ask you something. I, sure. I want to just start right out of the gate. You were on this great hit show, Mike and Molly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you get a chance... Uh-huh. To see Melissa McCarthy, or is she so fucking busy? Um, she told me to fuck off the last time I saw her. She no. did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. True. true I, uh, actually, our cast was an exception to the rule. Nobody was crazy. Yeah. And I always told Steve it's because everybody was over 40. So nobody had that Hollywood fucking, I'm going to need a velvet hat with blue M&M's. <laughs> a monocle. And some special coconut water because I like it to fire the synapses in my brain. Get, fuck you. We got free coffee, insurance, <laughs> right. good parking. Shut the fuck up. The only thing Sullivan and Son asked for was a good script. Dude, they were so great. I'll get to that. Gary. I'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, it was but, bad. Um, <laughs> Shut but, up. But our, our cast was lovely. In fact, I just talked to her a couple weeks ago. Nice. We check in with each other, and I see Lou all the time. Louie, because he's right over in Atwater Village trying to make it Soho so bad. He tries to make it in Soho, New York up there so bad. He's trying very hard. Yeah. And uh, and let's see. I see Reno. Reno. I saw Reno last night. Uh, Katie's got a new show, so she's been busy. Got a baby. Yeah. Swoozy gave me a call, and uh, she's in New York. We always take our Woody Allen walk when we're together. Oh, that's there. nice. She's a good lady. So, yeah. And Rondi. Rondi is in the woman who played my mother. She's in New York right now. Uh, playing one of the uh, the senior witches in Wicked. Oh, she's she's wow. a big deal Broadway man. Rondi is like royalty. On wow. So swoosh, as a matter of fact. Wow. So, and then what I was going to say was, those were great days, and I used to love to, because when you work for Chuck Lorre, it's like playing for the Yankees. Like, you show up, 
You do your fucking job. We don't need any suggestions out of you. We'll, we'll let you know. Here's the place. Run the place. And then I'd walk around the corner to Sullivan and Son and be like, Louie, Louie. It, like, it, like, it was literally the Delta House yeah. on Warner Brothers. They, they was like, I was like, it's 3 o'clock. Shouldn't they be rehearsing to be a deck hockey game going on? Oh, yeah, they'd be throwing the football and I, around. I would, just, I would hear faintly down the alley, fuck you, Ahmad. Fuck you. <laughs> wow, man, what's happening over there? So, I, mean, I, yeah, I you guys the security guys would tell me, yeah, your buddy Burn, he's giving kids the keys to the golf carts. You can't do that, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The writers' kids were like eight. <laughs> like, hey, just take the golf cart. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. So it was great to be neighbors with them. And now we're both unemployed. Fans. <laughs> yeah. Now we know what Gary's like. They're asking Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> They're asking Melissa. You still talk to Bill? Yeah, he's over at the YooHoo room. Yeah, and he's doing yeah. this. He That's did, all I know. Did, he did the funny bone in Des Moines. <laughs> was, was, right. was Mike and Molly uh, actors and writers had good relationships? We had, had a lot of great writers. We, we had an incredible writing staff, and um, we had we had a great relationship with them. And as it morphed, you know, and and her star took off as her movies took off, we got into this rhythm in the third year, which I think was my favorite, because um, we respected our writers very much, and they respected us. So there was no. You know, you can't say that. You need to say my line. There was none of that shit. So what we would do is we would do two takes exactly how the writers wanted us to do it. And then they would give her one take to improv. And then I would tell her, don't tell me what you're going to do. Right. So that I could play off that. And then this it became and then they took the best of the three for every show. So it was it was it was incredible to be a part of that. Incredible. Yeah, how often would they use that third improvised line? A lot, man. They would. A lot, yeah. She's full speed, man. You know, and, and <laughs> the more famous she got, the more worried we got. Because Melissa's insane. She likes to like shoot out of cannons and slip and fall and jump. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> you're the golden goose. Don't yeah. fall. We're all unemployed if you fall. Don't fall, okay? Yeah. Well, the taping I went to, she, just insane. she did three takes, I think, coming down the steps. Yeah, she likes and to she fall down fell steps. down the yeah, steps yeah. like three Chevy times. Chase style. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, yeah. that looks painful, but she did it. Yeah, I, I I sit in the chair and then I thank the stuntman. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to get you a coffee? Thank you so but much. But you guys Relax. had six seasons, uh-huh. right? Yep. Now, I remember prior to uh, to doing Sullivan, I, I read this book, Top of the Rock, um, mm-hmm. and it detailed must-see TV, NBC, and Noel Wiley told this great story of he was going to Warner Brothers for a meeting. He showed up at security. They wouldn't let him on. Right. He had to get called on and, and everything, and he had been there for you know eight years or whatever. Yeah. So he goes to his meeting. He gets done, and he's walking back. And he goes, you know, I'm just going to stop by the ER stage. And he went there, and at the time it was vacant. Mm-hmm. And he stood there, and he was just there for a minute or two, and it, he, he said it was as though it never happened. Yeah. How do you feel looking back on those six years when you think, is it just a blur or is it a very detailed? I look back now when I watch the reruns, mm-hmm. and the thing I'm most proud of is we're a show that held up. Like you can watch yeah. an episode in reruns and go, it's still good. And that's what you hope for if you get the syndication. But I knew... When we started, I told the whole cast because I just have that fatalistic Pittsburgh thought pattern and I'm Irish, so I hate myself in so many ways. <laughs> no joy will be received by me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I shouldn't even be looking at the sun today. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I told them at the beginning. That's Keen's ringtone. Let's, <laughs> I said, let's, let's, let's embrace every moment together. I said, because it's ending. Mm-hmm. I told them the night of the pilot. I told the whole cast and crew, I said, it's ending right now. I go, it's ticking down. It doesn't matter if it's 12, 
24, four years, six years, it's ending, and they're going to come in here, they're going to rip down some sets, and there's going to be a new bunch of people in here and a new bunch of sets, so let's enjoy every minute of it. And that, that really helped. Me and Melissa really set a tone of... If we're not being assholes, nobody on the set's allowed to be right. an asshole. And and it really it, it grew beautifully. I got a good story about the Warner Brothers guards too. Yeah, that they're they're like these guys. I don't know if they get them from special forces or where they get them. <laughs> but I we were we had our poster on the side of the wall, the entrance oh, yeah. to the gate. We came in. I mean, you might yeah you see how big my head is in person. Can you imagine? <laughs> but on you're the right side on bar of a building. You're coming down. They're huge. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Right as you turn into gate two, it's huge. It's the size of a wall. I didn't have my ID with me. I go, I go, I, I forgot my ID, man. He goes, yeah, can't let you in. <laughs> I go, it's me, man. And he goes, well, I know, Bill, but I can't. You know, you got to have your ID. I got, there's a poster <laughs> right around the corner. He made me call the production office. Someone had to call oh, really? the golf cart to get me. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because so. CBS Radford, a completely different tone over there. Well, I was wired good with those guards because I did a reoccurring part on a show years ago called Yes, Dear. And we played the security guards at the, uh, at the lot. Yeah. Cool. So those guys hooked me up good. I don't want to get them in any trouble. I won't say any names. Yeah. But when I was, after yesterday, when I was just trying to get auditions, and you know, it's, you love nothing more than an August audition where you have to walk from either the parking structure <laughs> at Radford or, you know, that big long one at Warner Brothers where you're across the street. And you just look like a heart patient coming in to audition for whatever, just covered in sweat. <laughs> and those guys would always hook me up because we played them. We always took care of them. So yeah, like this executive's gone. Park here. I was like, right oh, on. that's awesome. So I had the little hookup over now, there. Now, when you look back, because you started, you I, I think you started like I did. You 80, worked 87. at a comedy club. Yeah, I did. Eighty seven. You answer the phones. You're I sweeping did. the floors, mm-hmm. and then because the coworkers are like, "Hey, maybe you should try this out." You try it out. Looking back, I mean, from that moment at Bonkers, yeah, you're answering phones to the fact that you're going to the Warner Brothers lot. Ridiculous. And your poster's up there. I mean, I always, what do you think of the trajectory of-, of I, I always say this. Look, my, when I started out, the only goal was pay the rent, get a bag of weed by telling jokes. That was it. <laughs> that was my high bar watermark. And then that happened. Right. And I thought, that's all. That's all you need. And then about- That's eight, where Gary stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Then about eight years in, I was at the Punchline in Atlanta, and I heard a couple of comics from L.A. talking about a development deal. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's that? What's a development deal? And explain course, it to Gary. You know, comics are <laughs> bitter assholes, so they yeah. said it in a horrible way, but then they, you know, impatient, but told me. And I was like, I need to go fucking get one of those things. So a few more years later, I came out to L.A., and I got my first deal, ironically, with Peter Roth when he was at Fox. Wow. And then 15 Who's years Who's the president later, of Warner Brothers? the president still, of yeah. Warner Brothers, so it was a big circle, yeah. But, but I, I look at that trajectory, and I think uh, I've been blessed. I think if you work hard at what you do, if you get a break, it'll help you stay. It'll extend your life while you're out there. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of luck involved, too, because there's a lot of cats funnier than me that don't have a break. You know what I mean? So right. there's, there's a bit of luck involved with it, I, I think. I mean, don't you feel that Enough way? Enough about Jimmy Schubert. Seriously. <laughs> Listen, God, no. No, but Seriously. Didn't you feel that way when you get your show? I mean, you see how many things have to line up oh, for yeah. it to even get on the air. Like, you have to kind of be standing in the right spot at the right time, too. There's that, you know? Well, so you, you look at a guy like Tom Rhodes, who had that show for one season. You're right. like, just to get that on the air yeah. and for the show to get picked up as a pilot, right. then get the other 12 episodes made, then the back nine. I mean, it's a difficult— right. and, and he's a brilliant comedian. Yeah. He's, a, he's a way better yeah. comedian than I am. 
You know what I mean? So, but he's still out there doing his thing, traveling the world, doing, you know, and always, he's got a book coming out, I think. And, yeah. And that's the thing about comics, man. We're pretty resilient. We just, you know, we get a high and then we have to go, okay, well, let's go back to the casino and play again. But this it's, is what I love about pop, your you know? story, just but, being friends with you and being privy to, to everything. Literally, your last pilot season. Yeah. You're going to pack it up. Yeah. You're going back to Pittsburgh. You're going to be co-host of the DVE Morning Show, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, that's the show in Pittsburgh. Everybody listens to it. It's the mm-hmm. flagship station, the Steelers, and great morning show, really funny with Randy Bauman and Bill Crawford and Val Porter, which uh, has come to the expense of Gary much, <laughs> very frequently. But uh, but literally, you're, you got to that point where you're just like, yeah. you got a wife, you got a kid. Well, I was, I, was here, at right? the, I was at the break point, and we don't have to go over it too much. I've told this thing till my ass hurts, but... Yeah, I was. It was it was a very Pittsburgh immaculate reception thing. I mm-hmm. I was literally out of gas here. I wasn't I wasn't getting booked on any TV shows for a couple of years and I just had had Will and I was like I'm not going to be on the road 48 weeks a year with a kid. You know how hard that is yeah. having a family yourself. Trying to be in show business is one thing. Trying to keep a family together while you're in show business, that's a whole nother beast. And I just didn't want to be that comic that was gone all the time. I just, I, For me, I couldn't do it. Some families can do that. I couldn't do it. So I said, plus me and Patty weren't at the best place at that time, man. Mm-hmm. Our marriage was, was struggling a little bit. and So I said, all right, I'm going to ride out one more pilot season. I told Bauman that. He, and he was just going to let me come on and be part of the show yeah. in the mornings. you know. And then I'm home at 10. I'm in Pittsburgh. I'm the mayor. I don't give a shit. That's fine. That's a yeah. good life. So I said, I'm going to ride out one more. And pilot season, as you know, Gary, is the, um, <laughs> it's like a three-month window out here where, you know, all the new shows come up, the casting comes out, and you hope that you can get an audition for one of those. And if you get one, you hope it goes to pilot, hope it goes to series. Odds are a million to one. I only got six auditions in that three-month period, and the last one wow. was Mike and Molly, and I was late to the audition. Wow. <laughs> I was late to that audition. Chuck Lorre was in that room, who's really? become a dear friend since then, but he was in the room, and I was like 20 minutes late. And you I had go, Chuck Lorre waiting? I go, I'm so wow. fucked. Yeah. So I go, how am I going to defuse this? And thank God we're comics, because we're pretty quick off the cuff. Yeah. So I walked in, I go, Chuck, let me just introduce myself. I said, I'm Billy. I said, what I like to do, Chuck, is I like to find the most powerful guy in TV, and I like him to wait a little for me. <laughs> so, luckily for me, he laughed, and I sat down, and we did the audition, oh, good. so it was good. You, and you then did I got the audition the call. with him? I did the audition with him in the room, yeah. Wow, he's very—he's like Joe Torre, man. He's—he see oversees everything, and then he's great at delegating his guys. He, he has like a whole farm system, like his writers. He starts his baby writers on one show, and then as they mature into writers, they become producers on other shows. So he has a whole—he wow. really is like Norman Lear, man. He grows—he has a whole farm system. Is that how like uh, Mark Gross and Brian Keith Etheridge we were talking about? Yeah, they... two of my absolute favorite human beings on the planet. Gross, I like a little better than BK. We'll just say that out in public. <laughs> I'm kidding, BK. Don't be bleeding about that. All right. Um, those two guys are exactly that. that. They will. No, they will. They listen. They act like they don't, just like Cannon. So, so um, they uh, they started as writers and then ended up as producers there because they're both very talented cats, very very good guys, very on top of it, very hard work. And Gross and BK would, they'd stay there till you'd see that light on, you know, like that old commercial sit, yeah. boo-boo. Like they'd be up in that room just combing for jokes, combing for and And, you know, I think Chuck respects that. He appreciates it. But what is that it thing? What is that it thing that separates how you got Mike and Molly from all of those other people that, 
you know, are still plugging away, still can't get that break. I mean, we do talk about that all the time. Like, Jimmy Shoup, like so many great, funny, yep. funny people. Again, I just I, can't. I don't think it's so much an it thing as it is. It has to be the right role. It has to be the right timing. And as I look back now, it's easier to say that. But then I didn't know. But you, you kind of get what you're supposed to get. And the test is, can you be patient enough until you get that? I believe there's something out there for everybody if you're just persistent. So I'll take persistent over any uh, anything. And so I think you got to – one of the most important things I did when I came to Hollywood was I kind of assessed what it was they did in casting. And that is every month there's a, there's a wheel. There's a flavor of the month. They want this guy. They want that kind of guy. They want this girl. They want that kind of girl. They want – so if I'm the Midwest blue-collar guy, then it's pointless for me to try to be – something other than that right so just what i i I think of everything like football i was just like well let me just let me be in the top part of my division for that thing Mm -hmm. so i get known for that thing so when the wheel comes around again my name gets kind of jotted around for when that happened and that's what happened with mike and molly but i i really think you're not going to get something you're not supposed to man it's i know that sounds stupid but i but if you can believe that it takes the pressure off of having to go what do i have to be what do i have to be just you have to be what you are and you got to you got to stay in the casino long enough for that number to come up i how, think how soon after you do the audition with chuck do you get a call back i got a call uh about a about 4 days later and i didn't answer it cuz i had this <laughs> i am not bright <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers, ignore. I I, I did, literally, I did. And I wish I could say it was one of those things where in Hollywood you hear like, I made him wait. I was fucking terrified, and here's why. I had a small development deal on the table with Nickelodeon. And, yeah, uh, that sounds right. Well, no, I got a great story about Depetive with this. You'll love this. Yeah. And uh, that's my manager. 25 years on a handshake. Who does that anymore? Wow. But, um... I'm going to – the development deal with Nickelodeon, the script's terrible. The idea for the show's terrible. It's just – seriously, I'm surprised if it would stick to the video. Wait, tape. Sullivan and Son was not Nickelodeon. Shut up Sorry. with that. <laughs> Shut up with that. This man employs you all over the country, and someone needs to say it to you. I've so, worked the best sea ribs sh- in the country. I'm talking Sorry, Mr. Grinnell. <laughs> Please don't look me in the eye. So, uh, so the, the, I had this deal, and I thought, this isn't going to go anywhere, but it'll get me – enough money to move back to Pittsburgh comfortably. That's what you were thinking. That's what I was literally, Holy like that's cow, where I that's was. Crazy. Yeah. And then um, first Warner Brothers called and then my manager started calling and screaming, what the fuck is wrong with you? Can we say that on here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Is what the fuck can... is wrong with you? Huh? Call them. And I just kept, I was like, no, because if I did that, I'd lose the thing. And that's a maybe. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm fucked. And then Chuck Lorre's office called. And then Chuck himself called. Mm-hmm. And it was because of Chuck Lorre I went in and tested at the network because he talked to me for an hour and he said, why did you come in and audition then? I go, honestly, I I was hoping for like a guest starring part or a recurring part down the line. I said, I got a little development deal with Nickelodeon on the table and I just was straight up with him, man, because I was at at a point where I was like, "I, I can't lie, I can't. My, I go, my life is is not in a great place. I'm using this money to maybe get home. And if I go with your show, I go, and it doesn't happen, then I'm fucked and I don't have the money to move. And and he was so cool. He talked to me for an hour and he said, you just have to have a little faith. And he said, look, 
He goes, you're the guy for this. He mm-hmm. goes, I know you're the guy for this. And he goes, and you're not going to have to do it alone. I'm going to surround you with a great cast. You're not going to have to carry the water up the hill yourself. We're going to do a little play every week, and it's going to be a great show. And I said, man, look, I said, if I was 22, I said, I'd be at your house right now, you know, waxing your car, you know. I said, but this is the situation, and I explained all of it to him. And, he, and I said, he said, you need to trust me and have a little faith. He goes, I'm pretty good at getting these things done. Yeah. I said, yeah, I know. I said, but this is my situation. I told him, you know, I want to get the money to move back because I got a kid and all that. And he says, okay, I understand. I said, can I just talk to my wife about this? And he said, absolutely. He said, and he gave me his number and he said, call me on Monday. So then um, uh, I called Patty, my wife, and to, to her credit, you know, because we were not in the best place mm-hmm. in our marriage at that time. And my wife's been through everything, man. I've, I've put her through every test. There is poverty, childbirth, alcohol and drugs. Bad comedy. Fame. Was, was Gary over our house? <laughs> See how I did that? Steve, I did, Jesus. I did that? You always got to be on? No, but I mean, Sorry, I, I, I put her through everything that I could put her through. You yeah. Know? And we just weren't in the best place. So I called her and I said, look, here's the deal. I want to move home and work on us. And, you know, we got this money to get us there. And we do have this opportunity with Chuck. I said, but if that doesn't happen, we lose that deal. I go, we're in the same boat and I'm mm-hmm. out on the road. And, and to my wife's credit, man, she said, you know what? She said, you've. She goes, you've waited for this phone call your whole life. She goes, you can't not do this. Right. So it was Patty. And so I called Chuck back. Oh, I called the Peta back. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I go, I go listen, man, um, I'm not going to take the thing at Nickelodeon. I said, let's let's go with Chuck, man, and yeah. believe what he says. And he goes, that's good. He goes, you got a pen? I go, yeah. I go, okay. He goes, write this down. I go, all right. He goes, Jackie Gleason. So I wrote it down. He goes, Tim Allen. I wrote it down. He goes, Roseanne Barr. I wrote it down. He goes, Drew Carey. I wrote it down. He goes, Dean Martin. I wrote it down. I go, what is this? He goes, you know what they all have in common? I go, what? He goes, none of them were on fucking Nickelodeon. <laughs> so I go, okay, man. I get it. I get it. I got it. <laughs> so then I called Chuck back, man, and I said, okay, man, whatever you want, I'm yours. You let me know. And, um, and he made it happen. And the second coolest thing, this is when I knew it was a different level. Mm-hmm. I told him, like at CBS, have you tested in the CBS basement? You ever been through that? No. I don't know that they do I've it. I've been in the CBS I, parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they do it anymore, but there used to be this room called the basement. Right. And you would go when you had to test, your final test for the network was at this place called the basement, and it was over on Fairfax. And you go into the, the building, no one talks to you, then an assistant comes and gets you, and then you walk down this long hallway, they put you in an elevator, you know, very conducive to comedy. And they, they put <laughs> you terrible. in this elevator, That's and horrible. you go down to the basement. And then no one's talking. You go through this hallway, and then you walk into this soundproof, no-window room that has those eggshell things on the side so you can feel how dead the air is, yeah. right? And then there's a chair with one track lighting pointing at the chair, and then in the dark is about 15 theater seats. And after you're sitting there in your chair, the executives file it, unless Moonves and all the, you know. I guess they do it to see, like, if you're going to crack air, there's no way we're putting them wow. on TV. Right, yeah. So they sit in the dark, 
and you do your audition for them. And I have died so many horrible deaths over in that place. One year I got there three times, and the yeah. third time I said, hoping to get a laugh, I said to the executives, I go, hey, if I don't get it this time, can I just get on Survivor to drop a few? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Really? Not a fucking... Can you, you hear? Heard, you can hear. I heard that joke hit the back of the wall. <laughs> what I heard. Splat. So, so I can lose a few? Fuck. So now I'm doomed, right? So I said to Chuck, I said, hey, man, I got a, I got a thing I got to talk to you about. He goes, okay, what is it? I said, I've been to the CBS basement 11 times. Wow. In 10 years, 11 times. I go, I've never landed a show over there. I said, I have left more audition blood on that floor than anybody I know. Yeah. I go, I, I'm, I'm freaked out about going over there. And he goes like this very thoughtfully, and he goes, hmm, okay, I'll have him come over to my office. I was like, okay, we're in a different, yeah. this is a different, yeah. this, really? is, this is a whole different game. Wow. And then I walked in, and then there was Peter Roth sitting there from Warner Brothers, yeah. who was immediately in my corner, Yeah, because he'd given me a deal 15 years ago. He's a huge fan. So now I got those two together. And then um, when we did the reading, <clears throat> when I read with Melissa, it sounds like one of those Hollywood things where we just knew, mm -hmm. but we did. Yeah. Like when we read, you could tell the executives who never give any kind of they immediately were positive, and you could feel like, oh, this is this is the combination of what this should be. Right. So, yeah. well, 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 plus her background, I'm sure, with your background in stand up and her background with yeah. improv, I'm sure you guys just we did. We, you know, we had an instant. That's what I love about comics and 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 people who do improv and stuff. They know to trust in yeah. that situation, and we trusted each other right away, just right away. And you could feel that it was grounded and real, and it wasn't over the top and. It wasn't just snarky line, snarky line, because the writing was so good. Yeah. So there was texture to run through. So and then we just we hit it off right away. Of those eleven times that you went and yes. sat in that basement, uh -huh. what were the shows? Were any of those shows like major shows that you're like, no. shit, I or they got canceled or never no. even made well, the there, air? Some of them made it six, and then some of them made it uh, twelve. There was one. You're the, talking episodes, not seasons. Yeah, episodes. Yeah. yeah. So there was one that went uh, for a long time. The one with Mark Addy, uh, still standing. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Which is a very funny um, story because they, uh, uh, they <laughs> that was a deal back when production companies could do deals with, with networks because now it's kind of in buying things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still, it's not the rule, it's not the norm now. They buy from themselves. But um, it was 20th Century Fox for CBS, and uh, these, these two writers, um, uh, Joey and Diane, they, they, had me over and we talked about this idea about still standing and it was their idea and we, they were just trying to taper it to me and and uh and then you know what can happen back then was you can get kicked out of the box because they got a deal with somebody else and the network goes we like your idea but we want this guy because we have him under contract right. and that's just part of the game you have to accept it so my fucking asshole friends would see that show and go, oh, look, it's about me without me. That was what they <laughs> called it. So, but you, you, you learn that sometimes you're just you're going to miss for that reason. You never know what it is. Like, I got fired from a show called The Fighting Fitzgeralds Yeah. after the pilot um, because the producers wanted somebody else. When you go into the room to test for a part, you're one of three guys. You're the guy that the writers want. Then there's a guy who's supposed to look like shit, so the other two look good. Mm -hmm. Then there's a guy that's supposed to come close but take a dive in the fifth round. Like he's, but you never know which of those guys you are. They right. You just think you're the guy. So I went in and auditioned for that show, and I was the guy that was supposed to do good but not get it. Mm -hmm. And the network liked me, and they picked me. Ooh. 
Wow. And the producers replaced me after the table read because they wanted their guy in there, which I understand. That's that's part of our fucking business. Yeah. So and I was uh, I was a little heartbroken over that one. So but it was another story of just getting almost there, almost there, almost there, and then finally this was the one. But it makes it that much sweeter, obviously. It does. It does. And to, to the trick is to not get bitter. You and can't get bitter. All, all the while, while, while Mike and Molly is starting kind of in its infancy, are you still doing the road before it gets picked yeah, up? Yeah, I didn't cancel shit. Okay. No, I worked like an animal all because that's a comics mentality. Like, this could be over tomorrow, and I'm not canceling Dayton if I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, <I think> <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, we might yeah. need that money. <laughs> so as it picked up, as the, as the series picked up, I would slowly start crossing club dates off and then by the third year it started to get into casinos and theater dates and then it became then it became magic yeah what was the that was every time i was every time i was off i'd go was the transition where you saw the impact of the show having on your road for stand-up i think the third year the third third, the third year was legitimate tickets Mm -hmm. you know and then i liked the casinos that was my thing as a comic you're just in and out right well i talked to leno about it and me and him were the only one doing it for a while well the, the the deal with casinos is they're all self-contained. You're playing to a little bit older crowd, mm-hmm. but but I'm playing to that anyway. Mike and Molly's age skew was 35 to 59 anyhow. That right. that was our, which the young group is great, but that wasn't our show. So it kind of transitioned for me perfectly that mm-hmm. way. And casinos are great because you're not paying a theater, you know, rental space. You're not paying, you know, five guys on the union. You're not paying all the ta- city tax. It's right. the, it's a flat price, and they want you to meet your price, and that's all they care about. And they and you only have to sell about seventy percent of your seats in a in a casino anyway, mm-hmm. because the other thirty they want to give away to their big players. Right. As a, like, hey, come see Billy Yardell from Mike and Mike, because they're hoping they'll go out on the floor after the show. That's called a coin in percentage, which mm-hmm. is what they look at with entertainers after your show. Does it spike or does it go down? Doesn't matter how fucking funny and artistic you are. Do the bells ring after you leave? That is the fucking game. Right. So what I do is I do my show, and uh, I've been known to gamble. I always <laughs> say uh, at the end of the show, let's go gamble. And you then do I, a little I, Dean Martin? I, I do a little Dean Martin around the crap table for yeah. a while. Keeps everybody excited for a while. And the casino's happy. I'm happy. I go back home and drive a hot rod. <laughs> Simple. And were you on the road? At, at some point, I heard a story that you, like Greg Warren, was doing uh, Melissa's lines for you. Greg is Warren that... is the original Molly. That's incredible. <laughs> That's so funny. When I got the audition, I had to fly. I was playing the St. Louis Funny Bone. So I took the sides, <laughs> and we're staying at the condo, that lovely <laughs> condo in St. Louis. <laughs> Can't say enough about it. Extend a stay. So, um, but, but Greg Warren, God bless him, man. He was uh, he sat there all day with me and read Molly's part so that I could really get ready for this thing. And I got to pay him back a little bit, I think. I, I thank him for it every time. But I, I uh, guest hosted the Late Late Show for three nights, and yeah. I, I got him on as one of my guests to come on and do stand-up and have him come over the panel. I got to tell people he was oh, that's awesome. he was that guy. That's so that great. was a nice turn. And Burn, man, I, I owe Burn. You know, without, don't owe me anything. Shut up. Without the <laughs> Jameson tour, I might have quit stand-up comedy. I was so wow. fucking burnt out, wow. man. Without running into him, Nick Griffin, and Danny Bevins, I, that might have been it. Wow. I mean, those guys re-inspired me. I'm not kidding around. Yeah. I, when I say that, I sincerely mean that. Without those three out there on that road doing that tour with that, because I was so burnt. I was uh-huh. so, I mean, 20 years on the road and yeah. nothing's happened. At some point you go, well, fuck, you know, maybe I yeah. should just, you know, 
start yeah. flipping burgers or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But these guys, they were writing every night and they were doing something new every night and it reminded me of why it was fun. And then I was fucking terrified because the show was 20, 20, 20, 20. Everybody did 20 minutes. But you went last. Yeah. Every, every week, <laughs> every time. Pricks, but uh, listen to how that times out. You got you got the show. So, so Bevins would go up and do 20. And then it'd be Byrne or Griffin, depending on how depressed Nick was. <laughs> and then, but you got three killers in front of you, and as the third guy said goodnight, which was usually Byrne, and you know it's like firing a, no. following a fucking fireworks show. Then they're dropping the checks. Yeah. And then here I come waddling up to the stage, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But it made me really work, and yeah. because I was with them. It inspired me to get hungry again for stand-up, and it was shortly after I did my hour-long special, and it was because of the time with wow. those guys out on halftime, right? Yep. yep. That was the first, and, and the second I, one. I did it. That was the second one I did. I did a, uh, a half hour for Comedy Central. Right. Yeah. Early. I go slow, man. I'm a slow writer. I've never been a guy that could sit down and write. I. You've seen it. Like I'll do nothing, and then I'll just have a bit on stage. Yeah. That works, but that that doesn't happen. Like, if I could figure out how to sit down and do that, God, I'd be much better. I would be a much better comic, but it doesn't work that way for me. Like, I'll find something, be thinking about it, and we'll talk, and then I'll go up, and it just comes out on stage. And then, for some reason, I'm able to remember it. So that's so it takes me a lot longer, but when I get there, it's usually pretty good. I got to ask you this. Yeah. You, when Mike and Molly was on the air, you are on the air, you're doing a TV show, you got your road dates, you got your family... You still found time on Tuesdays <laughs> to get up from the West Coast to get on and do radio on the East Coast. Yeah. So that's like five, four or five in the morning. You're getting up. Yeah. Why are you still doing that? Well, because you didn't need to do because that. Because that's where we're from. That's my city. I don't. Yeah. And I've told them every part of the journey. So why wouldn't I keep going and let them in on this part? So they've been with me when there was nothing. Yeah. I got to be funny about all the failures. Plus, there's something therapeutic about calling home. Also, I love Bauman and Crawford, and Bauman especially because he sets the tone in that radio show where it's it's almost like the late night, late like with yeah. David Letterman. It's funny. It's not a hate-driven show, which mm -hmm. I don't have anything to do with that shit. Good luck to you. Enjoy your ulcers. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I like that kind of comedy, and it's smart, and it's a good writer's room, so it was always a good exercise. So I got to talk with them about trying to get there, getting there, and right. now being unemployed again. So it's, you know, I've just never lost that relationship with them. So I I love that. In fact, that that I look forward to that in the mornings. I yeah. just, I love it. Plus, it plays, pays for Will's school now, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for an angle, man. But what always happened, an angle. What happened to Mike and Molly? Didn't you guys read it in the press that they weren't coming back? Wasn't <sighs> that a weird? No, they, they what they tried to do, this was another cool Chuck Lorre thing. Um, they... <laughs> When they, they the final season, they weren't going to tell us. I don't know why. That's just what executives mm -hmm. do. I don't know what. So Chuck came in to the table reading. <laughs> he just sat down. He goes, they're taking us off the air, episode 13. And he told us that so we could prepare and do a final episode. Without him, we wouldn't That's have had a final episode. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, and then we got Jimmy Burroughs to come back and direct that wow. episode, which wow. was awesome. But they came up and they said to us, they go, <laughs> they go, hey, don't tweet out that the show's being canceled. And me and Lou were sitting there like, what the fuck are they going to do to us? They, we're fired already. Yeah. <laughs> we're canceled. <laughs> but then there was a bunch of stuff on the internet about, you know, she lost too much weight. And then there was a thing about me and her now screaming at each other, which is just silly. 
And uh, in fact, the Inquirer had a good one. Like they hate each other. Mike and Molly hate each other. Yeah. And it was a picture of me on stage screaming a punchline, and then a picture of her like in tears from the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, put it together. Uh, sure. So I, she was actually up in Boston filming The Heat with Sandra Bullock, yeah. and I was doing a theater up there. And I said, "Hey, you want to meet for lunch?" And she said, "Yeah, my mom's with me." So I got to come bring the Inquirer to lunch. I said, "We can't eat." together Look, oh, <laughs> we have things to work on <laughs> so what it really was was man is like every other thing that happens in television nobody will really know the answer the best i can garner is that cbs and warner brothers said hey 127 we're in syndication yeah that's enough that's all we're doing and sometimes that happens i honestly think the show could have gone at least three more seasons because they had just had the baby, so you could start from there and go forward. But I mean, you can't cry over six. Did years. you did you go into season six wondering if it was the last season? No, or? that's Chuck told us right oh, at the wow. beginning. He goes, "Look, this this is all they're giving us, and that's it." He goes, "I fought for it. I did everything I could. Warner Brothers fought for it, but the final call was CBS." So what was that story? We just did that. What was that story, Billy? About years ago, the Drew Carey show, mm-hmm. like they just stopped airing episodes but they were still filming them wasn't that I think that was just to fill I don't know why that happened but it was just and they've done that with some other shows yeah. well you weren't know. on the show so ask him about the Drew Carey show no <laughs> what about <laughs> no, two but I know girls what about. awful this, awesome. is, <laughs> this has happened before though where they'll they'll finish a show airing and they want to air a new show but to fulfill the syndication yes. requirement They'll continue to pile stockpile. But why episodes. did Will and Grace I don't not know. make it? I think uh, it Gary was, wants I, to know. You know. I don't know. Jesus Christ! What a <laughs> god! So you were answering the phone at Bonkers in Florida. Yeah, me. That By the way, me. are they looking for people? Do you know that's how I. You know that's how I would get my gigs, my first gigs. Answering the phones. Answering the phones because they, I, I would be doing office parties and stuff like that, that's... and I worked with this other guy who was too dumb to answer the phone, so I got the phones and he had to go do the lifting because I could talk, right? So I'm like, Bonkers, how can I help you? And they go, yeah, we're looking for a comedian for a party, and we have about $600 to spend, and we need him to do about a half hour. Do you, do you guys I have know, just him? just the guy. I go, you know what? There's a guy named Billy Gardell. He's really funny. <laughs> Let me see if he's available. Can you hold one second? Put him on hold. Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. You know what? He's home this week. He's going to be able to help you out. And that's how I would do it. And then other club owners would call, and they'd try to get their features, people they were managing. Back then, club owners had a lot of comics. Yeah. And so they'd try to get their features in, and you could kind of trade and go, okay, you know what? We'll have him for a couple weeks because I had that kind of power in the in the club, and then I would say, uh, listen, I'd love to put this guy Billy Gardell up there. Could I do that with you? <laughs> and that's how I kind of oh, build up my first uh, I gotta take calendar. A All right, we'll yeah. be right back. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs> uh, we had done that's a... professional. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of urine... Uh, <laughs> Billy and I, you don't remember this. We did what a did Doug, we, do? we did a Jug James. Did we? Years ago. Oh my God! Was, was it uh, Molly Blooms? No, it was. Uh, <laughs> was, it, was it the other one? Uh, the one in San Diego. It was by Seal, San Diego. It was Seal Beach, I think. Seal, Seal Beach. Yeah, there what was did a we Seal do Beach, and it was uh, Seal Beach or Huntington Beach. He only has Huntington. 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 And I think okay. that's Molly Blooms. Gallagher. Molly Blooms is or Gallagher. Gallagher. It might be Gallagher's. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think it was Gallagher's. Yeah, exactly. Did we? I'm sorry. Did you sign? Oh no, no. Did you sign the dirty? Just fearing for my life. Did you sign the dirty napkin at the end of the night to get that $13? Yeah, whatever that contract is. You sign. I don't know what was going on there. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure this is going to show up. But yeah, yeah, here's my signature. Thank what, you for my 12 what, bucks. What's kind of Doug your... was always good, though. So yeah, he's a little goofy, good, but he yeah. was what's, what's kind of your thoughts on all these shows coming back now? Roseanne's coming back, Will and Grace. I think that there's a great... Uh, need for nostalgia out there right now and um, I think because those shows know how to do a good sitcom I, see I 
Chuck said to me something really cool the other day. I was talking with him, and he said, you know, the sitcom's not dead. It's just not done very well anymore. And so, you know, you can't, you can't, first you have, you have to be relatable. I mean, you can do a, a hipster show, you know, where everybody's beautiful, and I have a snarky line. I have yeah, a snarky yeah. line, too. And scene. Well, you can do that, but you're, you're only playing the two cities when you do that. So you need writers with seasoning, first of all. You can't have a bunch of young guys writing the show. Those guys should be coming on as you know, to learn how to, to craft that stuff. But you have to craft the story. Chuck said something great to me one time. He said, he goes, in order for a successful to be, uh, for a sitcom to be successful, I gotta, know, I, gotta, I gotta have two things happen to my, the lead of my show. I gotta hate you or I gotta love you. But one of those things has to happen. You can't just be there. Otherwise it's just static. So that was the deal. And, and when you see a lot of the newer sitcoms, they're just trying so hard to make everybody look overly funny when in, in the, the real trick is just getting them to care. So you have to write small stories to get them to care. You know, Lear, Norman Lear's greatest quote to me about sitcoms is, the more you make them care, the harder they laugh when you ask them. And it, that's kind of the philosophy that Chuck goes to. You know, you, I have to, it, I was telling him, Steve, that Chuck said about sitcoms, I have to hate you or I have to love you. Yeah. But I have to feel something for you to watch you every week. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, okay, everybody says great things. Everybody has great apartments. I fucking hate these people. Right. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm from that school. And I think shows like Roseanne, which had a lot of uh, heart and a, and a lot of uh, real situations, I think Will and Grace had a lot of that. They, they broke down such great barriers for gay people. And so I think when you, when you throw that out there, you have to – you can't just be – clever everybody can't have it always work out there has to be some people have to be able to see themselves in those shows and i and i think great writers know how to do that yeah it's interesting now because i just saw that the kevin james show kevin can wait mm -hmm. they got rid of the wife now leah remini's back so it's almost like king of queens all yeah, over again that's a hard one to I, I don't know i i wish them the best with it i don't know how they're going to do that that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds but i don't yeah. know well, it's I, Rob Long. He's the showrunner. Well, Rob, you know, he was oh, there. Oh, and he ran he was, Sullivan. Wasn't he? He was yeah. the guy, though, for King of Queens, wasn't he, originally? Was he one of the guys? Uh, he's he's the guy now. Oh, he's the guy. And Rob, and Rob was on your show. Nice guy, yeah. right? Super nice guy. Rest yeah. in peace, Kevin Can Wait. Uh, wow. Good guy. <laughs> Just right, too. Good guy. <laughs> I will right tell too. you this about Sullivan and Son, right? Maybe not, <laughs> oh. the, maybe not a comedy, but I will say what I've learned about this. He, Steve, and I'm not... I'm being very uh, genuine. Yeah, yeah, of Even though you are. Steve was the lead, right? Yeah. yeah. Because he was the first name on the script. Yeah. He would definitely throw the lines to other people. Like, Steve didn't have to always be the funny guy in the that's show. That's the difference between. And that is a big deal. That's the difference between a comic who has a successful sitcom and a comic who fails. And, and Steve was smart enough to know that. I was smart enough to know that. What a comic knows, now whether they implement it or not, but what a comic knows is there's an art to a setup. You know, you watch the great interviewers of our time, Johnny Carson, you know, Jack Benny, Parr. Car Carson right? Daly. Us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Boat's still out on Carson. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, you can make somebody else's joke twice as funny if you set them up right. And yeah. there's a knack to that and there's an art to that. But you have to put your ego aside and go, okay, I'm not the funniest guy in the room. I got, I'm not the funniest. I got to make sure everybody else, I have to be grounded so everybody else can be really funny. Yeah. And if you can do that, your show, it blossoms. But if you get into that, I'm not getting enough funny lines and I need to right. say that and I should say, you're fucking doomed. You're absolutely doomed. And you're talking about the Joel McHale show. 
What? Who? Joel McHale. Gary. Great okay. Indoors. Well, that's uh, what we say. He just texted me. Yeah, nobody did. Uh, he's. <laughs> oh, Gary, are you his only friend? I mean, I'm a fan of his because he has a Rickles thing. But are you his only? I think so. Yeah. Is that it? That's why. I'm he, that's why he keeps adopting dogs. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Sullivan and Son get movie. me. <laughs> Can, can I ask one? Uh, no, one, one, <laughs> one sports because oh, just God. Pittsburgh's God. such a great sports town. Yep. Uh, is do you have a favorite moment as a kid of Pittsburgh sports? Any of the any of the great um, teams? I have my favorite sport. Like obviously, I have the childhood memories that it, as a Pittsburgher you grew up with. Uh, to me, '79 was the year to be a kid because you had the the Pirates and the Steelers win the championships, and then the very next year we won the Stanley Cup. So that was a great run. But my favorite moment has been, um, I think, I think it was season two. We were in the playoff against the Jets to go to the AFC Championship, and uh, they asked me to come back and wave the terrible towel for the first time. And uh, I, I was standing between Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris, who I've now become friends with. And Bettis came over and told me that he loved the show. He said, he goes, I, he goes, I watched the, the, the limo episode of the bachelor party, man. I love y'all. And I'm like, what fucking dimension have I just <laughs> wandered into? And then walking out on that field, and it's like, I think it's like, I don't know, about 13 degrees. So I wore my jersey without sleeves because the linemen weren't wearing their jerseys because I wasn't going to go out there with a sweater. I had some sweater from Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Chilly. So I, I I took my coat off, and I went out there, and I think I lost my voice in maybe 20 seconds yeah. screaming as loud as I could. And I, there were 75,000 people with just a wall of Steeler fans and terrible towels. Going crazy. It was so amazing. And then uh, and then I was sick, and they had to cancel rehearsal. Like for Dude, th- three days. You when were I came screaming. Home. <laughs> I, I I remember the clip. You were screaming so loud, like on video, because you, you can't hear you. But bad. you're screaming. It looked like you had a hundred grand on the game. Yeah, it was bad. And you had you had a hundred bucks in the bank account. <laughs> it was like you're bad, like this man. better pay off. Yeah, exactly. Going crazy. That was, was great. And then I, you know, like they canceled rehearsal for three days when I came home. So Chuck was like, "Hey, uh, no more Steeler games unless right. it's a uh, off week, okay? Yeah. Said, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. So, well, Billy, that was my. But you we, also had that great story too. The last one you were on episode, you were on episode four, yeah. when you talked about Bruce Springsteen coming to a taping Holy of shit. Mike and Molly, yeah, I mean, just standing too. on the floor. I mean, yeah, that, how awesome is I, that? Well, Burroughs kind of played a trick on me. He knows what a Springsteen fan I am. And uh, are we wrapping up? You were wrapping. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Wrapping? Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll I got to right hear. Now. We're not. We'll go eat. off Bruce Let's Springsteen. Go we'll go eat. I got to hear this. And anyway, um. Yeah, I'm, he knows what a Springsteen fan I am. And then there was this young kid hanging around with Burroughs, kind of shadowing him during the day. And and Jimmy goes, Billy, this is Sam. He goes, uh, he goes he's going to be hanging with us. So I started messing with him, calling him Mayday Malone, because Jimmy and Cheers. And, yeah. And, and I'm not sure Sam knew what the hell I was yeah. talking about. But a nice kid. And we were talking about books. And I got him a book. And, you know, that we were talking about different kind of literature. And, and he goes, yeah, his his dad's a musician. I was like, oh, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. So the night of the taping comes, and I'm I'm standing by the curtain call thing before we go out, and and Burroughs walks over with Bruce Springsteen, and he taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and he goes, Billy, this is uh, Sam's dad, Bruce, and I acted like. Uh, a guy who had just had hot water thrown on him. I went, ah! Like I literally <laughs> turned into a girl. I could not believe I was standing there with him. And uh, and he stayed for the whole taping. Wow. Playing the music in between. And then, uh, and then 
I got invited to go to dinner with him. Uh, what? Him, Burroughs, and uh, the wives, and, and Will. The Willster was with us. What? I combed That's Will's crazy. hair, man. I had him all greased up, and Will yeah. had a little leather jacket on. And Bruce saw me. He goes, I like that look, man. Like oh. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really cool. That's that's yeah. maybe my favorite Hollywood. I mean, moment. that's crazy. Yeah, my yeah. favorite Hollywood moment. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the time John Oates came to Sullivan and Son. Hey, yeah, on, yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with Hollywood. Yeah. Oates, bro. We went to uh, we went to Wiener Schnitzel She's afterwards. Gone. <laughs> I was gonna say when I looked down the floor, I saw right said Fred. Are we <laughs> are we going to Wiener Schnitzel? I'm, I'm in. We can. I'm in. We got to send off Gardell right. A little Zappler. Episode one oh two. Yep. The Gentleman's Dojo, extremely special come back guest. More. I'm going to ask you to have me back on in two years. <laughs> but you think we're going to last that long? Uh, <laughs> That's the rate Steve and I are going. Uh-uh. I don't know. Nope. Where can they find you, Billy? Uh, I'm on, uh, I have a mini-series on CMT called Sun Records, where I play Colonel Parker. That's streaming right now. And I got a Christmas movie coming out for the Hallmark Channel called Christmas Hours around uh, November or December. Oh, I love that Hallmark Channel. Where can they find you online? Oh, oh, uh, that's what you meant. It's okay. It's good. Uh, uh, Twitter is at Billy Gardell, and then uh, the website's BillyGardell.com, but I don't run that. There's a kid running. But you're touring. Yeah, I'm on the the road. Yeah, yeah, thank you for helping me. Of course. uh, Yeah, my stand up dates are always on BillyGardell.com. Where can they find you? We're going to find Can and comedy. You know where it is, Burn. Please. <laughs> be an asshole. Keen? At Citizen Keen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Gentleman's Dojo. This is episode 102. Subscribe, rate, review us, follow all the boys. Thank you so much. Here we go, Steelers. Yeah, man. <laughs>